Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. This is the Synergy Podcast. Geronimo, Shavar, Kenny G, how are you guys doing? It is Thursday, like Friday, right? Because it's what, July 4th weekend or something like that? It's Thursday. Well, Thursday for me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's oh, Thursday. Oh, you're not off tomorrow? These... You guys... well, no, no, well, well, I understand what you're saying. Yes, I am <laughs> off tomorrow. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's Friday. The weekend starts today. The weekend starts today. So, yeah, what you just said. Right? I didn't Absolutely. even think about that. Got a you're not supposed holiday. to June tea. Yes, yes. Shout out to Juneteenth. You know, uh, we do want to shout out to what's been happening in the world. And last time we had this three part series, you know, Juneteenth just happened. Uh, well, well, as a time of this podcast, it happened. Uh, we're heading into the the Independence Day of the United States. Uh, but I'm gonna leave it at that because I don't want to go too far into that. Uh, so today, what are we talking about, Geronimo? This is part right, two, so right? Today we got part two of our three part series. Um, Essentially, it's what is the perception of Black people. Right. Last time, we spoke about celebrating Blackness, but today, we're going to talk about why we're perceived as less. You know, we right. got some, some words here, lazy, <laughs> uneducated, um, moochers, violent, hot-headed, urban. So we're going to talk about these things, um, and then essentially why we don't highlight like, famous Black people in history. So talk about some of the things that we have done. So I'm going to talk about, you know, we aren't, I'm going to say this first and foremost, we aren't lazy, you know, and, and a lot of us are educated and a lot of us, you know, are, are, are substantially uh, well taken care of, not, to, not to, the, to the extent of financial stability we should be or like to be, but we, are, we, we do take care of ourselves. As far as the violent, and I think I talked about this in the previous episode, I hate that these last, these last, these next two violent and high-headed uh, because, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this really quickly, um, sometimes I don't believe that I'm a, as a Black person, I'm not allowed to be human, right? You know, what I mean by that is uh, I have to walk into the room, walk into the room and sometimes being the only one there, whether it's a male, uh, a Black person, or any, you know, those, those particular groups. And I have to smile all the time, right? And then when I smile, it's, when I'm not smiling, and I'm, I'm angry for a moment or, or, or a second, you know, or, I'm, you know, or I disagree, I become the angry black, which isn't, which isn't fair. You know, why can't I get in, 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 I bring it up because, you know, why can't I be human? You know, I'm not mm-hmm. high-headed. I'm just human. I'm not violent. I'm, I'm upset right now. And that's, that's a human trait. That's something we do as humans. We disagree when we get upset. Sometimes we lash out in different ways. We might not talk to you. You might say things. You might push your paper off of a table. We might react, but then that's that's human nature. That's what we do as humans. Mm-hmm. So that that right there, I'm just going to knock that out the box right there. Those two things. Let's just throw it away because all humans react to different things. Whether it's, whether it's uh, like I said, cursing someone out, yelling, screaming, jumping up and down, you know. And I, I think I shared this. I'm not sure with you. I'm shared with someone. You know, it, 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 what, what kind of sucks about this and Geronimo not yet, but Penny and I were parents. Uh, when a child gets upset, right? What do they do? They throw papers. They they kick things. They do things, right? Right? And they call it a tantrum, right? When an adult does it, or you you're this angry person. No, I'm having a tantrum, just like a child, right? Now I'm upset. Now I'm, I don't mean to make light of it, but it's just like let me be human. Let us all be human. Let us do what we do when we're upset. So I'm, like I said, 
I knocked it out. But if you guys have any thoughts about the violent and hotly headed, you guys want to talk about, go for it. Yeah, I just agree. to add on. <laughs> no, go, Jemima, you go. Okay, awesome. All right. Yeah, just to add on to what you were saying, it does feel like we are measured with a different ruler. Like we have to keep up a certain standard or like have certain P's and Q's because in a sense, we're not just representing ourselves. We're representing like a whole culture. Absolutely. When we're, especially in a room when we may be the minority. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, I, and like I said, like I go in the room and sometimes I'm a representation of everyone. And I don't want, I don't want everyone to look bad. But I'm human. I ha- sometimes I do get upset. I don't get upset often, but sometimes I do. And I think it's, it should be fair for me, just like anyone else to get upset. Like, I don't hear anyone say, you know, oh, that, you, you, you're part of this group, so you're upset. No, I'm human. I'm part of the, this, this human group that who gets upset, who, who disagrees. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to be angry, but then come back with a rationale. Explain for me. I'll explain to you why I was upset. I'll come with the rationale. So that violent and hot-headed, it's only violent and hot-headed because you refuse to talk. That's fine. So, go ahead. I'm sorry, Kandeka. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's just the tool that people use. Like, I realized that people use certain things to do uh, to, to get you to behave a certain way. Absolutely. Like, you know, I started school again for my master's. Um, this time I'm going for my MPA. I put my MBA on hold. And it's like, um, I realized that when people were telling you, like, how not to be or, or you're doing this, it's because they want you to behave in a way that benefits them, right? So when they call you angry, it's because they're, they want you to not speak up about certain things that we deserve, right? right. Um, and, and with that being said, right, you know what I mean? It's, it's a controlling mechanism. And I'm not, I'm not going to explain myself. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not, like what you just did, Siobhan, I'm just going to look at you like, oh, are you special? <laughs> like, don't, you, don't you dare, because you know better. You know, people, people know what they want to know. And like you said, you know, they can identify everything when it's them. You know, when right. it happens to them, people have this great sense of, oh, the, you know, right and wrong and up and down. Right. So I'm not understanding how if after 400 years of slavery, Jim Crow era, segregation, redlining, and all these other different things we've had happen to us as a community, you don't get why we're upset at this point. Like, I'm, I'm not explaining. Now, if you choose to want to have an educated conversation with me, then we can do that if you really want to. But a lot of these people out here, no, they, they just want you to shut up, you know, and they want to do it by calling an angry black man. You have every right to be angry. Absolutely. Every day you, you go out in the street, you may get shot. Absolutely, <laughs> I, that, unfortunately. What, what is your quality of life like if that's the way you have to live? So, I respect that. And I never, I never looked at it that way as a way of silencing people almost. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you fit them in a box and it's like, okay, I'm going to disregard everything you say because you're just angry all the time regardless. So you have no real merit. Exactly. And they do that on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it's the same way white women go into that victim mode, right? Like as soon as they do something, it's, oh no, but I was only, and now you make me cry. You know, it's like, girl, bye. Like nobody called you over here. Why are you here? I didn't call you. You know, I didn't ask for your opinion. I, you know, why are you here? Stop talking. And they have this because they have this sense of privilege. I posted this. Who died and made you sheriff? You know, who, who left you guys in charge? Who told you guys that you have the right to tell people what they can do, 
you know, and we can, we kind of talked about this in the first session, you know, we talked about, I think art, you know, being subjective based on them, you know, all of it is what they get to determine is art, you know, what they get to determine is a good job, what they get to determine is certain things. You don't have the right to tell me what that is. As a free person, as a person who has certain inalienable rights, I have a right to make that decision. And you will never be able to cloud that for me. And if you think, if you keep that in your mindset with everything that they do, man, it's amazing. And I'm always side-eyeing them. Even the good ones, the so-called good ones, I side-eye them because that white privilege is so ingrained in them. It's, 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 it's crazy. I mean, I've worked with them for about 25 years. And like Shavar said, I've gone to school with them. Um, I've gone to black schools too, but it's just something about them. And it's, it's, and that's why I told you earlier, I struggle with this newfound awareness of trying to be this, you know, loving person, regardless of nationality, race, and creed. But with them, it just gets a little hard because of the oppression we have, because of like having to always check yourself about being angry. I'm, I'm not going to check myself about being angry when I have a right to like I said, like I said a moment ago, you should, everyone should be allowed to be human. Like, especially like you said, like we all have different circumstances that we live in. We have different things that we have to go through when we leave the, when we leave the door. You know, when I leave my house, when I step foot out the house, what is my look? What is, what is, what, is, what, is, what should I expect? I should expect to go from point A to point B, you know, but I shouldn't have to think about what's happening in between point A and point B. But you said something, you know, you know, um, in Decker or Kenny, um, about education, you know, because that's another thing that we they say that we are are we aren't educated. You said it. You put you put one of your master's degrees to be on to on pause to pursue another one. And I want to I want to acknowledge you. Good claps, you know. That's dope, you know. You know, I'm Geronimo snapping. If you guys can't hear, um, I'm also going. You know, getting getting another degree going in for uh, um art therapy because I think there we need more therapists in the world. We need more therapists yes. who look like me, <laughs> you know, look like us rather, you know, because I want to be able, and, and, and I think the reason why I'm choosing art therapy because um, it's, a, it's an outlet. People, it's an, it's an expression. And sometimes people don't want to talk. They want to create. Absolutely. You want to create via poetry. You want to create via, via uh, photography, dance. Like that, that's, that's my next chapter in my life is, is art therapy. So, you know, and again, so, you know, egg on your face <laughs> to whatever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let, let's talk about, you know, some, some, some other things as far as like education. We have quite a few H, H, uh, historical black colleges throughout our country. I wish there were more. Uh, I know one of the things that, you know, like you mentioned a moment ago, that about this new foreign support, foreign support uh, of, of people of color, black people in general. And what I've, what I've been watching is athletes talking to a prospective uh, 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 high schoolers and asking them to go to HBT, you know, which I think is amazing. You know, you know, and those, there's questions like, why didn't you go when you had the chance? You know, but, I, I know, but I've noticed in this climate, a lot of young people have left those schools and gone to more predominantly Black schools because they, they, they're expressing their discomfort because they want, want change. And so, I mean, our youth today, you know, talk about being lazy, the youth today are on a whole nother level, man. Like, they want to, I mean, and, and, and that's in my eyes, you know, watching people make changes, you know, I'm a parent, my daughter, uh, who, who's in college right now, she, this coming semester, is the president of her Black Student Union. 
Yes, yes, yes. Congratulations. Shout out to her. You know, the the exchange is there. You know, the youth are making this change. And and I'm glad. I'm happy. You know, I'm happy that they're standing up and saying, this is wrong. And you're going to pay attention to me. And you're going to make a change. Or or if if you aren't going to make the change, we're going to make the change. And whether it's small silos or or large groups, you know, there's changes that are happening. And and, and I see it as in the positive. So, like I said, hit me in your face about being lazy. I mean, Geronimo, I've been doing a lot of talking, Geronimo. What's up? <laughs> it's all good. The, the lazy misconception is crazy. Because Kandeka mentioned earlier, like this country was built on the work of Black people. Like We literally were wealth when this country mm-hmm. first started, essentially. like I think it was in 1865, before slavery was abolished, uh, slave work was worth like $3 billion in 1865. Imagine yeah. that today. Incredible. It's a few trillion dollars, maybe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Compound that interest because there's interest, right? Because they were exactly. profiting it, right? And if you take it, that's why I'm, I'm in, I don't mean to cut you off if you weren't finished with your thought, but it's, it's, it's mind boggling to me how they want um, to justify, you know, and for me, it's like too little too late, but the whole subject of reparations, you know, like, all that money that they made back then has been compounded and is worth so much more. These companies are still in operations. There are families that have made a killing, you know, in their millions and billions of dollars, you know what I'm saying, by being involved in the slave trade. Um, and, and so for me, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. No, it's to definitely. Black in America. And, I, and, and yeah. I don't want anyone, any one of us to, to be frustrated. You know, that's how we want to celebrate. We do. And I do want us to be honest and share. And if your frustration comes out, that is okay. You know, like, and, I, and, and we talked about this during our hiatus episode where we didn't want to be frustrated. <laughs> Guess what happened? So frustration <laughs> came out. You still get frustrated. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you're, you're danged if you do and danged if you don't, right? Because, you know, this is a family-friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, what else they, when they talk, you know, with the... the, the um, Misperception is that you know that this is a term I, I don't like, and, they, and I know they're they're addressing it now, which I, I'm trying to find out and understand is the term urban or ghetto. You know, when people use that term, like who are you talking about, and, and what does that mean? Mm. You know, how how does that you know how, what do you what are your guys what are your guys thoughts on the word urban and ghetto? I, I ghetto. Any thoughts or you wish for me to, I would just go up and just, just rang off some urban, shots. <laughs> urban and ghetto? You said yeah. urban and ghetto? Yeah. Ooh, you know, I, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, like, hey, it's like the N-word, right? It's, it's like ghetto, like only us should be able to use it. But then if you go back to the original origin of the word, when they, well, not the original origin, but how they used it, it was originally used to, just, uh, to refer to Jewish poor communities. Um, and then when the black folks, you know, started moving into them because they didn't have a better place to live at, and then the Jews moved out and the black folks got stuck with that name. So it's kind of historical, like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, so for me, it's like, yeah. And it's the same thing with urban. It was a way to identify us in certain markets. They were coding. You know, they were speaking in code and we weren't supposed to figure that out. But when we got black folks working in organizations, um, we definitely... We know these things and we share these things and 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 we, we make it public, you know. So yeah, I'm not feeling none of those words and terminologies, not at all. Yeah, the urban ghetto. 
I, I see them as like synonymous almost. Like I just see it as the hood. And from where, where I grew up, grew up being in the hood is not just black people. There's, there's Dominican Hispanics and just people who just kind of get lumped into these areas as well. And it's something we're going to talk about a little later on, like redlining and, and people just kind of getting stuck in certain areas because of race in certain situations, certain economic situations. Um, you just all get kind of lumped up in these like ghetto urban areas. Yep, absolutely. You know, but they don't see it that way, you know, because the people in power, you can't have one group of people thinking that we can kumbaya, you know, because if you'd imagine, like, say, the Jews and the Black folks would have come together, that would have been something kind of dope and amazing way back when. You know what I mean? Like the two struggling communities. You know, so of course they have to make it divisive, you know, but black folks, we, we're dope people. We turn the negative into something positive a lot. And that's, I don't know if it's a coping mechanism. I don't know if it's naturally, I don't know what it is, viable instinct, but whatever it is, it helps us and it, and it, it gets us where we need to be. And it's, I think, one of the reasons why we are still here as a people. If you compare yeah. it to the Native Americans, they wiped a lot of those tribes out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it is what it is. I look at it as just being resourceful take what you have and just make the best of it one of the most like one of the most profitable skills in the world is to be resourced what i do want to say is we mentioned a few things about you know the n-word and, and a few things but probably two things n-word urban and ghetto and well Kadega said this you know we we've come to accept those words i think part of it is i don't want us to accept those words anymore you know i want us to 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 look at look at look at look at look at the worth of more of who we are. You know, we've been saying it this episode, the last episode, how dope we are, how fresh we are, how super cool we are. You know, we have hip hop music, we have fashion, we have we have a lot of that stuff on lock. You know, like most of the music that we have in this world or in this country rather comes from us, comes from people who look like us. You know, with different shades of us. You know, but again, like I said, I want us to to appreciate the stronger words, the more impactful words, you know, making that word blackness a, a compliment, you know, learning about our own history, you know, not relying on only, you know, schools to teach us, but to us to, to, for us to support each other. You know, we, we mentioned this earlier about, about the acknowledgement of Juneteenth, you know, unfortunately a lot of us just learned about Juneteenth and that's okay. That's okay. It happened. But now what do we do with it? How do we celebrate it? How do we, how do we, you know, next year, what does it look like? You know, do we have events based around it? Do, are we having more shows based around it? I just saw on, uh, on TV, there's a, there's a Juneteenth, I think it's, it's called Miss Queen, Miss Juneteenth. I, I, I could be wrong, I just saw it. There's a new movie out called Miss Juneteenth, which is pretty cool. I'm like, wow, there's all these things out that are now popping up, but how do we, how do we support that? How do we not forget it? I don't want it to turn, I don't want this to turn into a, another, uh, and I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. I don't want it to turn into another sale holiday. Like, well, here comes a sale. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the sale, the only sale that we should, we should, we should have is the sale of support. This is the sale of information. And that information, that, that's selling it, but, it, but sharing. It. Uh, I think it's too late. <laughs> I think it's too late. You know, white folks have a good thing with co-opting things. You know, and, and it's probably not white folks, it's just people, you know, but but for them, this, of course it is. Like if you like, where are we going to buy the Juneteenth t-shirts and the little flags? And these are companies who are going to put these things out there because they're going to realize that, okay, the Negroes are upset, 
you know, so we're going to give them some holiday, you know, it is what it is, you know, what do you do? I don't know. I think I posted that on my Facebook. I said, uh, July, I said, Juneteenth is the next, is the new July 4th. (laughs) It is what it is at this point. I mean, it could be, but you know, part of it is how do you sell if, if, if the whole society celebrates it like that, how do you celebrate it for yourself? Well, it's like for me, all right, it could, you know, they, they could be t-shirts, you know, they could be this, but like, how do I do it for myself? You know, what does it look like for me and my family and my, you know, how do I educate them? How do I support them? You know, and it's cool. This is what, this is, this is when, this is, this is the real emancipation day. This is the real freedom day. You know, this is, this is the, this is, this is the real day that we all should know about. But not only that day, you know, Gerardo and I, with the help of that, because we talked about before, we talked about acknowledging history, our history, right? Yeah. We talked about acknowledging the things that we, we, we talked, you know, that we don't necessarily learn in school until you reach a certain level of education. Or if you go to a school who are them, uh, uh, primarily teaches that type of information, whether like well, black history, you know, and we have a list, we have some names and we try to do our best to stay away from the general names. I'm not going to say those names because I don't want to insult those people. Like, Oh my God, how dare you say we don't want to talk about those people. We should talk about those people, but there's other people in our history that we, we need to acknowledge, you know? Um, like for instance, man, this is really dope. And, and you guys all have Netflix, right? If you don't, you have a pat. you have someone's password. <laughs> <laughs> I have my own. Thank you very much. <laughs> if you don't, that's for the listeners. If you don't, I know you got somebody password, or you got, or you know somebody who knows somebody. <laughs> so right now on 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 Netflix, they have the um, Madam C J Walker. You know, uh, which I haven't watched yet. Has any of you guys watched it yet? Seen it. Anything you want to share from that? From yeah, experience? it's it was really good. It's a it's a essentially like a docu series, not a got true it. not a true documentary. It's, you know, like a reenactment of it, of right. it. but it does a really good job. Very entertaining. Um, paints a big, a good, good picture of the history. Um, her being the first female millionaire. That, like, that is insane to me. Not the first black female millionaire, just the first female millionaire at all. Like, and then to have the, concept, the misconception that black people are lazy and that being the first female millionaire being black who came from nothing. It's truly incredible. And that we're inspirational story. Mm-hmm. We're mooshes, right? <laughs> Maybe they should never put put like I said, we, we got complacent because of the roles that they've allowed us to have, right? Um, in terms of our job. You know, we get comfortable. So that all we wanted, I think at that time, was to be treated as equal. Um, in terms of, you know, giving us jobs and respectability. You know, a job gives you respectability. You know, so now you, you get to work in the office and now you get to work in the same room as the white folks. We, I, I think we wanted those things and then we kind of got comfortable with those things. Like we forgot that there was still something, a lot of things going wrong in our communities, you know? Maybe, and, maybe, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just... So it's, it's complacency, but maybe maybe that's where the laziness comes in. Like, you know, some stagnation. people... Yeah, the mm-hmm. stagnation, you know? And I hate that term because some of us, you know, we do want more, but it's all about supporting each other and pushing each other to do more. You know, I actually had a phone call with my aunt who we're talking about. She was like, yeah, you know, we didn't, we, we didn't talk about education in our family. Like my, like my mom did. That's what my mom ever talked about to me and my brother, you know, and when she, she said, yeah, but that's, she said, that's right. But she said, as a whole family, we didn't talk. 
we didn't we didn't push each other. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. You're right. You know, we we talk about our and we, in, in silos. We talk about our, our our immediate family opposed to our who, who is it's still our immediate family, but we can, we we sometimes treat our aunts and uncles or cousins or as extended family, which they do. We played together in the sandbox. You know, we played yeah. together on the swings. You know, we should be pushing each other. We should be promoting each other. You should be promoting each other. You know, in those ways. You know, in, in talking about education and talking about not only education, financial. How to make money, you know? How, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh. Yeah. No, I was agreeing with you. Sorry. I agree. I agree with both of you. I feel like complacency is a way bigger issue than just in Black communities. Yes. I think America in general has gotten very really complacent, and that's why we're, we're falling right behind in many American rec. I'm, I'm sorry, in many like world records, like we are not advancing human population at all. <laughs> like. <laughs> too busy trying to be Instagram influencers <laughs> then like really figure real stuff out. I mean, it, it was like a, a double-edged sword with them, you know, right? Like their whole, like I just started doing so much research when everything happened with my father um, about like World War I, United Nations, you know, like if you go back to look at the relationship between America, Great Britain, France, I think Italy, like and, and even some parts of Asia, um, it's kind of like they almost have like this secret path, you know, where you know, you take on our educated, like if you think about what the purpose of a visa is and why they allow these countries to send over their most talented and yet they choose to not use the talent that they have internally, you know, it yeah. becomes a much bigger picture about where they, we, they, do, they do not need nor want to include us in American society. Like we are a necessary evil that they have to deal with and so they tolerate us, you know. And now you're starting to see the effects of what tolerance um, happens when people really are being forced to do it. You know, you look at the riots going on, you know, and, and, and you know, there are a lot of white folks that are feeling it. There are some who are trying to co-opt it, you know, but like you said, the whole focus is on, you know, trying to, trying to just stay above it all right now because it's tough. It's hard. Like there are days where I just wake up and honestly, like I'm just like over it and I just cry and I scream because what can you do? You know, the only way to 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 get rid of this feeling is, is to dismantle this government. This system got to go because it, it's not for black people. It was never designed for us. It wasn't. Agreed. Yeah, it's honestly designed against us from the beginning. And in the moment that the emancipation happened, there were legal legal laws against legal laws with towards discrimination. So it's it's in this. It's been in the system. And then after there were those discrimination laws were removed there was residual effects that we still feel to this day. So like, I 100% agree with everything you're saying, Kandeka. And um, the more I've researched it and like became aware of it, honestly, the angrier I've become because it's just so unfair. It's just just wrong how a certain sector of the population can just be, um, not say forgotten, but purposefully put down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned about forgotten, you know, we talked about supporting each other by sharing information and sharing knowledge that we have, and that's what we have to continue to do. And, you know, and if someone doesn't want to listen to you, it's okay. You know, you did your part, but even still try, you know what, you don't want to listen today, maybe tomorrow. Um, you talk, and, and I'm referring, um, I want to talk about, you know, things that are part of our history, like Black Wall Street, you know, in the early, in the, in the early 1900s, and how that was probably the most successful community 
in well, one of the most successful communities in all, in all of the United States. And the fact that, you know, we had doctors, lawyers, we had our own society in the United States. And the unfortunate part is, you know, you mentioned this a few times in how there's so much anger towards us for whatever reason, you know, that in, in we in, that this almost got erased from our history, from American history. And Black mm-hmm. Black Wall Street is um an African American was was an African American affluent uh, community, uh, like I said in the early 1900s. Which you know, unfortunately, because of the race and, and seeing these people, uh, our people ex- uh, exceed and excel beyond what anyone has thought. Well, like I said, we rivaled any community in the United States. You know, at that time and probably to this day, you know, unfortunately, you know. It was burned down, you know. It was, it was destroyed. Destroyed. It was a know? massacre. It was a massacre. I mean, and yeah, I told, like, I'm pausing because it it hurts to say it. Like, dude, we we've had like like that whole we were lazy. Like, we had a whole we had money. We started something because we're human, right? Yes. Like we have the same goals and ambitions like everyone else does, you know. So why would you think that we wouldn't want to work? We work for you. For centuries and didn't I mean we complained but as a whole if we would have attacked them the way that if you think as a collective group being so many of us more of us rather than them you know but that's not that wasn't our nature you know what I mean we were we, we really are complacent people like we are people who, who embrace other cultures you know as a, and I think that's our saving grace is our willingness to forgive in community and to just suffer through things. Um, is that a good thing? I don't know, but I feel like it sustained us for all this time. So, you know, we have purpose, but at the same time, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do we go Man. out there and we riot and put ourselves in harm's way? Because there are people out there looking to use it as opportunities to do something negative, And we've seen that, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't know what we do after this. I mean, for me, I would like to to learn more and to recreate. It's like, who says that we can't do it again, you know, amongst ourselves? And I'm not talking about segregation and separation. I'm talking about, you know, influencing ourselves, you know, and supporting each other. And I said this before, supporting each other. It's like, it kind of sucks that that we, we, had, we had our own community. We had everything, you know, and I bring this up, rather we bring this up because we want to make sure that we, we're celebrating each other. That we have this knowledge, you say, you know what? Black Wall Street happened. Then what? What are we gonna do now to, to acknowledge it, recreate it, you know, or or, or create something new, and learn from it? I think learning from what they done, it did. It's almost a hundred years from now, literally almost a full century. But yeah, I'm I- sorry. <laughs> Nah, it's okay. I'm like no, getting I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like I want to say other things. I'm like, you know what? Like, like I said, it's a family show. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to change your rating for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to put it, you know, I might have to, you know, well, but, um, but yes, yeah, so we have Black Wall Street, you know, things that, you know, again, we want to mention things that uh, people don't normally talk about, you know, and and like I said earlier, I want to be a therapist or a art therapist rather, because I want to see more representation. And, you know, one of the things that we don't, I mean, I don't see a lot of representation is in the medical field also. 
You know, they are, they're there, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to walk into a, an office and see uh, some sort of a, a nurse or doctor or, or anesthesiologist, you know, someone who looks like me, someone who, you know, who, because I get comfort changes when you walk into a room when you see someone who looks like me. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that they know you, right? And you know Go that they it. have most of them. They have your best interest at heart. You know, like you know, as long as you don't get one of the, you know, the cool ones, so to speak. You know, they have your best interest at heart. And because some things, there's some medical issues that we have. Like me personally, like I have a medical issue that it always boggles my mind that when I have a black doctor and like a, a procedure that I I want to have, the black doctors are like no. Like, don't do not do that, you know, because you're going to push it. Every white person, Asian doctor I've had, oh, no, go ahead and do it. Like, you'll be fine. You know what I mean? And it, and it caused me to kind of say, like, you know, I'd rather not take my kids to the doctor if they got to go to the white doctor. You know, it, it gets that evil. So do you let all that boggle you down? You know, if you, if you, like you said, you take education, every sector of life, education from the Black family, you know, from home ownership you know we can we can be stifled sorry for the kids guys um but we're (laughs) home and it's that time of the day because I work during the day um but it's like what do you do how do you handle that heaviness it's exactly what you're saying now it's it's celebrating us and in learning about um ways that we can uplift us as a community to give us some sort of support and comfort um in our everyday lives um it's I I appreciate the work you guys are doing um you said something that you know about you know your fears with taking and please correct me if I'm saying this wrong about taking your child, your children to the doctor because of, and I, and I bring it up because a lot of times you know we talk about well I've noticed rather a lot of black people don't go to the doctor, <laughs> a lot of black people don't go see therapists, and that could be the you 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 said it because that could be the fear because you don't understand or or, or sympathize or empathize with who I am and what I'm going. They yeah, don't. They, they don't. They don't. Like I have kids, you know, my kids are, I have two adult kids, you know, and there's some things where thank goodness for my grandmother. She didn't put me on the game. Who knows? As a young mom, I could have set my kid up for something awful. You know what I mean? Like, and just listening to them, because they have a way of convincing you, you know, they're, they're the expert, you know, this is their field. But again, this goes back to why are they the expert? They position themselves to be in these roles where you have to go to them. You rely on them for answers. And then they've skewed you know, um, the results, you know, they used to do studies on black people to see if we were different, you know what I mean? And it's like, yo, are you serious? And to this day, y'all still saying that we're different? Yeah, okay, because of dietary restrictions, because you you, you bred us off of the, the garbage from your tables, you know? So of course we have poor eating habits, you know what I mean? Like, what do you expect? You, you want us to not be as educated as the rest? Impossible, because look, look what happened before the civil rights movement. We had our own HBCUs, so kids were able to go to these colleges and learn something about ourselves. Um, but then, you know, like me, I didn't go to HBCU. I didn't. I don't know if I, I wanted to, though. You know, maybe it was good that I went to a school that was kind of like mixed. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But in, in everything that works for one Black person is not going to work for the next. Oh, that, you know what I mean? And that's true you know, for everyone. Like we we want to dispel that. You, right. You know, we're not saying you have to do what works for you. But you definitely have to find ways to celebrate yourself and to look for ways where you can matter and make a difference. Otherwise, you're never going to survive in this world. It's just not. Well, I mean, I think for our our black men and women out there, and and, and there's some other, um, there's people who can look towards. You know, the first uh, successful open heart surgery was done by a black person. 
you know, Dr. H- Dr. Daniel Hell Williams. And, yep. and actually, uh, Mos Def played him in a, in a, in a, in a television uh, movie on HBO. Uh, what was the name of that movie, the Mos Def movie? Um, give me a second, guys. I, I will tell you. So yeah, Mos Def played him in the movie. And it's like, you know, he wasn't allowed to to practice because he didn't have, he wasn't a doctor at the time when he was teaching. He was allowed to teach, but he wasn't allowed to practice. But, but eventually, you know, he's a doctor and became a doctor. And he had the first successful, let's get this straight, successful, <laughs> you know, open heart surgery. Uh, something the Lord made, that's what it's called. So it came out in 2004. Something the Lord. So I want to make sure that we highlight these people, and you know, and 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 give light to them. Like, yo, we're dope, man. Like, we we do amazing things that need to be taught, need to be shared, need to be supported. You know, and 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 I'm going to be very honest, and I'm going to share something about myself. I believe I could do. I could have done a better job as a parent in sharing this information that I have in my head with my children. Right. You know, I'm not going to sit here and and get on. You know, like I'm holier than thou and saying, blah, blah, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. You know, I, I, I've, I've had tons of misstep. You know, and I've, I've been talking to my kids recently about, you know, exploring and sharing and, and learning more. You know, sharing the information that I have and having them enlighten me on things that I don't know. But, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't fault you for that, man. You, you're doing the best. You did the best that you could. But it, that, doing the best that you can now, you know, and as being, being human, you know, we make mistakes, we have failures. So I, I wouldn't fault, you shouldn't fault yourself for that. You know, you're working hard. You also like, yeah. you have to provide. So there's a real big part of your mental bandwidth focused on making sure your kids have food to eat. It's an right. admirable thing. So right. can, can I you shout can't out? do it all. <laughs> And I shout out two people, two more people. We have a whole list, but I want to shout out two yeah, more yeah, people go for it. <laughs> so we can move on to, to our next topic, our next our next item. Uh, I want to shout out uh, Garrett Morgan. He is the inventor of that street light, that traffic light that you guys all use when you're driving down the road. If not for him, we'll be crashing into each other. <laughs> <laughs> Three bold street yeah, light. Exactly. You know, I also want to shout out uh, Sh- Shirley Chisholm being the first woman candidate uh, to run for a presidential election, being the first woman uh, to uh, for presidential debate, like shout out to Shirley Chisholm, black woman. Um, I just wanted to shout out those two. There's a whole lot more. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want people to think you know we're leaving people out. That's not the case. I want us to acknowledge, acknowledge that we, we've been doing it. I don't want you know we did have a black president, but he wasn't the first person to run. That's just he got also ran in the past. But you know, but we we've had people attempt. You know, but how do we support them? How do we get what we want from them? or from each other rather? Um, Geronimo, you want to you want to lead us into the next uh, topic? Sure. Wanna, we want to run into that one. We want to go to the one after that. Yeah, let's wanna... do it. So the next topic I wanted to talk about is the the racial wealth gap. So when I started learning about this, I it really started to kind of paint the picture as to why black people have been perceived as less than, but also where white privilege really comes into play. So it does exist. It is a thing. And I have to be honest and admit that it's something that I didn't really think much about up until literally the last like six weeks or so. 
as as you know all these things started come, coming up and you know more awareness being spread and you start hearing this term white privilege being turned being thrown around so i thinking like what does this really mean and what is it so the best depiction that i found of it is from this netflix docuseries called explained and it's called the racial wealth gap explained this is like a 16 minute episode packed with information completely just details as to how this racial wealth gap was created in America. And essentially, the, 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 the gap is this. The median white family has a net worth of roughly 170K. So net worth is calculated by the amount of money you have saved up minus all the debt that you have in your, in your family or in, in your, just in your household, in a sense. So you know, taking those two numbers, whatever you have left over is your net worth. So the average white family, sorry, the median white family is 170K, where the median black family net worth is 17K. That is such a gross difference. And it's created through just years of inequality, years of discrimination, and just systems put into place that have, haven't allowed black people to truly come up. And it's not saying that black people haven't done it. We have the first black billionaire. Uh, it's the guy who started BET. I'm blanking on his name right now. So there are people who have created wealth. Kanye West, Jay-Z. There's a lot of black people who've done it. And there's still people who, there's people who are going to do it. But what I'm talking about is the, the average. It's a, the, the typical, the middle family. It's like, why is this such a big disparity between the average white man and the average black man? And it's because of some of these these legal discrimination that was just put into place right after slavery and actually before slavery as well. Oh, Robert Johnson, that's his name. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. One of the big things about wealth is that wealth begets wealth. So if you're able to start saving earlier on due to compound interest, you can start with a smaller nest egg and essentially over time, over a century, have a bigger nest egg. For a long time in America, black people didn't have that chance. And um, it, it just shows today. I mean, we, we tried, you know, Black Wall Street. We tried, which I mentioned earlier. Black Wall Street, Seneca Village. Seneca Village. Bring me on to that as well. So, yeah, Seneca Village is, is, is located, well, was located. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It was located. <laughs> Where the where Central Park is, you wanna yeah. you wanna tell them about Seneca Village, Man, Not really. <laughs> you should. I have you to should. be honest. I mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about how I feel about Central Park now. Oh, go for it. <laughs> go, go for it because it, 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 man, they need to know. They this is education, people. This is something we all need to learn about communities of color, Black people. That we 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 it's not it's not the first time. It's not the second time. This happens a lot. We we go out of a, we we do it we as as a as a term that we use and I might have to bleep this out we do the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To quote to quote L Cool J we do it and we do it well. Um, no, and and it's, it's crazy because you know when they in um, unearthed grave sites to build Central Park, you know, yeah. I think it was that they just like threw the bones out. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. didn't, they had no ceremony yeah. about it. It yeah. wasn't, those are people. Yeah. Like they, they were people, you know what I mean? And, and I'm not into ancestor worship or anything like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, like I might want to go see a relative at the burial ground and, and you can't, like we have no historical information because those people are gone. They're missing. 
they've been displaced and it's disgusting. And it's, I think it's, they use eminent domain, like the whole purpose of invoking eminent domain was just, and this is how we got pushed up to Harlem. We went from the area down, we went from Wall Street to the Central Park area to Harlem. And now if you notice what they're doing, they're pushing all the black folks off the whole entire island of Manhattan. And now we're moving up further north to the Bronx. Like, where do you want us to go, Canada? Like, I'm just not understanding. Like, you just want us to drive us off into the river. I don't get it sometimes, but oh well, yeah. sidebar. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's, I, I, didn't, I had no clue that gentrification has been going on for years now. I, this, I thought it was a more, like, recent event but it's been happening for a very long time. And I, I kind of feel like this whole oh, Seneca Village situation. <laughs> yeah, this whole Seneca Village situation that we brought up was a real depiction of that. What essentially was Seneca Village was, was a, a neighborhood where black people moved into because they weren't allowed to truly live in Manhattan. There was a, a lot of development was happening in lower Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And essentially, for lack of a better word, white people weren't really cool with it you would assume up in the North that black people were more accepted. They were quote unquote free, but yet still looked as less. So in this time they were like, hey, we don't really want you here. So the black people were like, all right, cool. We'll move up. Okay. So That's they moved do. up. That's what we do, okay. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> so they moved up and it started Seneca Village essentially. And through the span of like 20, 30, 40 years, it just started to thrive to the point where it wasn't just black people living there there were multicultures living there and it's getting like getting along and in integrating, truly integrating where people were mixing, mixing race and like, getting together, having babies. And then all of a sudden the government was like, Hey, we need a park. We need a massive park in the middle of Manhattan. And what, when these uh, legislations were being put out and these black people wanted to vote against it, they couldn't. Do you know why? I'll answer why. The reason why is because their grandparents didn't have mortgages, didn't have homes. Yep. So they literally, because of the laws in place, were not allowed to fight back for this thing and lost their homes and were pushed up to wherever, right? they, wherever they had to go. That again? Was that the grandfather laws? I think so. I don't know the exact name, but that was essentially what had stopped them from being able to fight back. Legally fight back, anyway. Oh, so Kenny. And what is crazy also to think about is it was depicted, right? Because there was always a narrative behind things as a, as like a, a quote unquote a ghetto. ghetto. People were, were broke, didn't have money and these things. So essentially what happened, fast forward to, you know, recent history, people went back, started excavating for items and they found like 200 pieces of things. And these were all items that were like high quality, high class, that people, that some of the white people in the lower part of Manhattan didn't even own because they couldn't afford it. So oh. they were, it was depicted as being a negative, grimy, this sort of hood that shouldn't be allowed to, to stay. But in reality, it was very affluent. They found toothbrushes. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm not making, I apologize if people are making light, light of it, but it's like, <laughs> but that's the thing, like hygiene, you know, in those times wasn't a thing for certain people. It wasn't a privilege. Yeah, it was a luxury. It's, it's, it's a luxury, and, and you know, and that's what, and that's what we had. We, we we took care of ourselves. We we, we educated ourselves. And, and guess what? It's gonna happen again. 
you know, and it's gonna, I'm just gonna leave it at that. It's gonna happen again, and we're, and we're gonna be successful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say we're gonna be successful. You know, I mean, I'm excited wish- for this show to no longer be like a PG show at some point. Yeah. Six things I want to say. <laughs> like- season two, season two, season two, season two coming. Wow. Season two, we go, we gonna let it all out. We, 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 we gonna let it all out. Oh, man, uh, Mr. So Geronimo, or, I mean, or, or, we can talk. You want to talk about redlining? Because I know Miss Kendecker said mentioned something earlier uh, about well, prior to the podcast uh, about about financial and 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 home ownership. If you guys mm-hmm. want to talk about that, yeah. So what I what I know about redlining, what I understand, essentially during the Great Depression, a lot of people lost their homes. A lot of people just lost jobs. They were just in hard economic situations. The president at the time, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, it passed this. Uh, this law or whatever that essentially allowed the mortgage to, to, to come about. And what they did was they approved mortgages to, in certain areas. So what they did was they approved it in low risk areas. And one, what, what they used to depict the low risk area was through race. Mm-hmm. So essentially places where were predominantly black were signified as high risk and they were painted in red. So literally, it was, it's not figurative speaking. It's, it's literally redlining. Red <laughs> these areas were redlined off because there were more black people living in these areas. So quote unquote, more dangerous to live there. But I want the world to know that's not the case. We are not a dangerous group of people. We are a loving, like Kentucky said numerous times, we are a caring and loving group of people. You come into our neighborhoods, we'll, we'll invite you to the barbecue, cookout, the dinner, the, the, the baby shower, the birthday party, what you bring in. <laughs> that's, that's that's how that's how it goes, you know. So, the these terms that are, that were used against us, again, this is about celebrating us, you know, celebrating. I, I want the world to know how great we are, how compassionate we, you know, how uh, how empathetic we are, you know, how we we we, we go out of we, we're forgiving. Mm-hmm. And I took a dramatic pause, so you hear me say it. We are forgiving. We're loving. You know, the anger we sh- we should have anger. We should. Mm-hmm. We should, but guess what? We I get don't... over it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to piggyback off of your point. I was saying that, you know, I, I always say it's the one thing that they you tried to use to destroy us has become our saving grace. You yeah. know what I mean? Like everything that they um, thought was going to kill us off, we've been able to flip it, and I think that's what makes us unique as a people, um, as a group of people, because we use our imagination and our creative abilities like we tap into that and that makes us happy that gives you joy like i I think people don't appreciate the imagination because if you can imagine it you know it can happen and we have a spiritual connection that we tap into and i think that moves mountains for us um even when the laws aren't working in our favor like you said people in seneca village were successful even though they had jim crow laws and something geronimo said too that people don't realize just because the North was free, well, you know, some of the North, because not all of it, um, New York was a free state. However, New York also sent slaves back to slave owners. They profited. They insured slaves in the South. That's how companies like New York Life Insurance are the companies that are in business today. And they, it's just disgusting. You know, if, if, you, if you really take a deep dive into this, you would be disgusted by this country. Um, but at the end of the day, we flipped it. And we are here. And 
we're not going anywhere. I, I think they view us like roaches. You know what I mean? Like the more they try <laughs> to kill us off, the more like we keep coming back. And then at the at the and we breed like we're like rabbits. Like we, <laughs> there are so many of us. Like what do they say? By I think twenty forty or something, the world will look more brown than white. Yes. Do you think that they really that want sense. that? Of course not. Like you can't have that. You just said all oh, black people were bad and we were evil, and yet people want to be with us. You know, they want to embrace our culture. Whether they do it the right way, instead of co-opting our culture, instead of taking, you know, you you take that with a grain of salt because there are people with kind of like no history besides violence. You know what I'm saying? If you really think about it. So of course they want to be associated with something dope and fabulous and all these great things. And it's not to say that they didn't make their own achievements and advance in society. Of course, because people are smart. This is what we do. But, you know, like you said, give credit where it's due. And then just let the people be. But, you know, I, I don't have much hope in government and politics and things like that. I'm, I'm more with the let's build our own community and, and do what we need to do for ourselves until that time comes. 100%. Really quickly, like you said, you can take over Geronimo. Like, this isn't, we're humans. We all, we, 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 we're all creative. We all have a, a nature of, of thinking outside of the box and doing things amazing. Again, like, again, this is about celebrating us, but, we, but as a, as a, Human race, we should celebrate each other. But right now, I'm talking about celebrating. It's not pitting us against anyone. It's like, yo, we're dope. That's all you need to know. We're cool. I'm sorry, Geronimo. You're going to say something, I'm pretty sure. No, nah, it's all good. I, um, I wanted to just say I agree 100% with Kenduka was saying. The only way we can make a difference is to come together and to support each other and to really be back to back and to truly lift up each other first of all lift up lift up yourself right yeah. so that you can lift up others the, the rising tide raises all ships um say that again, say that again. I, the <laughs> rising tide raises all ships okay. um what i wanted to say was this is a perfect segue to the next segment was how can we create our own success how can we learn from these examples you know talking about Tosa, Oklahoma, the black wall street talking about seneca village um in these places, I, I truly believe I wasn't there, but what I'm perceiving in my mind was the reason why these places were so successful is because at that time, black people were like, hey, listen, we need to stick together. We, we were not free that, like, not that long ago. So we need to be with each other and we need to make sure that we have each other's backs. So I think in those moments, we were in a sense forced to work together. Fast forward to today, we don't work together anymore. We're not forced to, quote unquote. We can make enough of a living and we have enough privilege to live on our own and struggle on our own. Yeah. Instead of living together and thriving together. Um, there are, we do have affluent communities in, uh, uh, that are led by Black people, Black communities, but they aren't celebrated how those communities were celebrated, you know, or, or acknowledged rather. You know, I think once we get there, whomever, whether it's you, myself, uh, Kendeka, we get there, we got to figure out a way to to create something similar or teach people like, yo, we ain't got no more buildings, we ain't got no more homes here, but how do you create it over there? How do we continue this? How do we, you know, have, you know, a, a, a new Black Wall Street, a new Seneca Village, you know, or, 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 or Seneca Street or a Black Village, whatever, whatever we want to call it, you know? Yeah. How do we do that? That's what. That's where 
you know, not only, you know, doing the therapy thing or and even the type of work I do now, I, I want to look into that. I want to be more active. I want to be more, you know, empowering to people, to my friends, to my family. You know, let me rephrase that. I will be, and also right. I am more empowering. I talk to my cousins about, hey, genera- generational wealth and how we can support each other. I'm reaching out to friends about creating new, you know, grouping. Like I have two other friends, which, you know, we kind of pause and we go back and forth. We call, we call ourselves the flavor buds. But one is a chef, you know, I, I, you know, I used to design clothes, which I might, I mean, I may or may not get back into it, but photography. So we, we, used to, we, we, create, we have a collective. So creating collectives with a small, you know, and growing that collective and adding more people to it. You know, similar to a- ASAP Bob or similar to Native Tongue, I'm, I'm throwing out rap groups. You know, similar to, to Flavor Unit, similar to, to Wu-Tang Clan. Like growing your groups, you know, you know, giving, peace, giving each person a role. And I think people understand that everyone can be on top. And because you are, and I, let me, I don't want to use that term on top. That everyone can have what everyone else has. I, I call it everyone has a piece of the pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I, I mean? I, that's a, and that's a better way to show up, because I don't want to think, you know, this person's better than that person. Like, you know, there's some groups out there where, and I, and, I, and I could be wrong, and correct me if I'm wrong, if, if you guys are more familiar with ASAP Mob than I am, I know each person in that crew has a role. And they know their role. Like, mm-hmm. you are the fashion designer, you are the photographer, you are the rapper, you are the DJ, you are the beat mm-hmm. maker. That is your role. And they, and they accept their roles. That's, that's the key word, right? <laughs> right? It, 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 you have to accept it. it. It goes back to like what they want to say about Black folks. And it's not just Black people who have the crab in a barrel mentality. It's just other groups know when to come together and they know when to like separate and do their own thing. But you never forget about your people. They ingrained in Black folks that we had to fight for limited resources. Right. You know, so if there was only one fish, of course, you're going to have 20 black families fighting over one fish and if my I'm going to feed my like what Geronimo just said about you like you're an amazing dad because you. you know the things that you instilled in your kids so you're going to fight for that fish the same way my kid's father's going to fight for that fish and may the you know the person come on top come on top so you have that crabs in the barrel mentality but what do you do now you have to let people know that there is enough room for everybody mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. even right. though everybody can't go there is enough for everyone out here because who I connect with is, are not the same people that Shavar is going to connect with. You're going to find your tribe. Mm-hmm. You're going to find people who you're going to be able to teach because they speak your voice. Mm-hmm. They, you know what I mean? Like they identify with you. And that's one of the things they teach you in marketing. You know, they teach you that. If, if you, certain areas, certain jobs, if you realize black folks or minority people have been shunned from are these roles where they really play on people's psychology. Um, and marketing is one of them. When you realize that there is enough space for everyone, that alleviates all the negativity. That alleviates me trying to fight my sister for a role or for a man. You know what I'm saying? But then at the same time, we also have to understand that sometimes it's just not our time. Sometimes it's this person time. Sometimes it's the first person has to go. You know what I mean? That That's mm-hmm. where you have to be patient. That's how you just have to wait your turn. And then we, we have to be mindful of remembering that to help the people that helped us when we didn't have. You know, don't get too high and too pompous and too arrogant to think that you can Absolutely. do it by yourself. You know, so it, it's multifaceted, you know. And one thing that I, I learned with my uncle, um, talking about for me, like with my therapy, I've, I've kind of gone into this. He's a coach um, and I help people build businesses. So it's funny how you were saying, how do you do this? Right. 
you, you, you hire black people like me. Now, maybe I need to be more vocal and put myself out there. Like I've been doing finance and building human resource department, departments and operations departments for 20 years now. My uncle is a life coach. Like he's, he's doing amazing things as he's building his practice. We need to utilize these services. You know, we need to share them. Um, how to, and not bring them down in the process and not try to uh, negotiate on our rate. You know what I mean? And not try to, um, we, we might have a bad experience, but don't give up. We have a bad experience with Louis and Gucci and H&M all the time, and yet we still continue to shop and support them. So it's a, it's a multifaceted, you know what I mean? It, it has to be a multifaceted approach. Definitely. We got to figure out a way to support each other. But I think, you know, the question is, though, is how do we recreate? And you said a couple of things, you know, speaking up, you know, like speaking up on your talents and what you can do and what you can provide. You know, so shout out to Gendega. She's going to come there and help you build your business. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I charge. Um, I do charge. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out a way to do it because, you know, not everyone, if, if my goal is to help those people who really need the services, like, like a mother at home making maybe $16 an hour trying to support her two kids because she has to pay $1,100 a month in rent. You know, those are the people who I really want to help, you know, but my experience dictates that I'm in a certain bracket, you know, so how do I help them and get what I need? You know what I mean? That, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have to figure that out, you know, but I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> It's coming. Yeah, shout out to me also. My youth development skills are, are, are unmatched. <laughs> see, see, and that's why you and I probably need to work together because you can probably come up with some ways where I can do it on a nonprofit background. You know what I mean? Shout out to Geronimo, you know, his nutritional skills, you know. It, it, are you serious? Oh, yeah. Geronimo, I to you too. See, this is right here. See, he's talking about <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think this is what you're talking about, is just people who have skills, professions, things that when they come together can really have a lot of very good outreach and help people in just different ways. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's, that's how we do it. You know, we recreate, we participate, we support. And, I mean, you said something, Kandeka, you know, where, like, how do we support without seeming like we're trying to get over on each other? You know, how do we give our skills out without seeming like, you know, it's a come up. Marketing, Marketing you know? teaches you all of that. But <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, like, because sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I'll be very honest, sometimes it does feel like a come up when someone comes to me. I'm like, dude, you, you, you can't, you know, but, then I, I, but I, I will still pay the person what they're asking because I don't want to be that the brother man who's trying to get over and say, yo, because we both black, give me a discount. That's your fee, that's your fee. You know, but, you know, you're paying for the person's yeah. experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's a lot that I've learned, like working behind the scenes in this department, you know, and I think that's why I, like, I, I'm not really a haggler, you know, because I get it. But again, because I work in this field, um, I like, again, like you said, we can all do a better job of, of sharing our knowledge. And it's funny because the more you share freely, right, the more people want to connect with you, you know, the more people know what services and the more times that they're willing to pay the price of what you're asking for you know as long as you can guarantee them as long as they feel that they'll get results after what you've shown them you know and that's just that's all it is it's not rocket science it it really isn't they make it seem complicated but it's really not it's all about providing true value exactly as far as successes that i want to continue to help with young people people in general because i always had i think i shared this with geronimo 
like even when I was even when I was fresh, you know, first year in college, I had this idea. I mean, Kentucky, you, you, I mean, well, you know the person from my neighborhood. But there was a movie called Kidco, Kids Incorporated. And it was a pro, it was a in that in that movie, they were this 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 company was run by a kid. And that was an idea I had even when I was younger, where I wanted to have a company where it was more uh, supported by young people and sharing ideas. And then actually transformed into something different. I think I mentioned this to, to Geronimo, where I wanted to open up a program. Well, I will open up a program that where skills based where young people learn, can learn and appreciate what it means to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or, or a photographer. I want, that, I want those skills for young people, not only for young people, for, for adults also, who are still trying to figure themselves out. You know, and, that, and that's the other part, you know, outside of being our therapist. That's, the, that's my main goal in life, to, to share those skills. I actually participate in the community events where I've actually taught people how to sit on an interview, what to say in an interview. You know, mm-hmm. how, how to rewrite your resume. You know, yeah. like I've done classes on that and lessons on that. So if anybody wants to help, or if you have the skill, if you're listening and you want to share and teach people how to write their resume or how to conduct themselves or what to say during an interview or what not to say in an interview, because I, I think I shared a signature with I'm I'm kind of a, I, I love doing, I loved when I had the, the supervisor role of, of, of interviewing people because if someone, and I interviewed anyone, and you come in, and, and I, even if even if you weren't the candidate for me, I would still coach you and say, "Hey, next time do this." Or when you redo your resume, this is what you should put on your resume. Mm-hmm. And like, I would never really have a person leave feeling like you know, whether they didn't get the job or if they got the job, they still got something out of the interview. Like an interview would right. be fun. It was a conversation. We learned from each other. How can how can I support you? How can I make you successful? How can you make my program successful? What is it that you have? What's that on this resume that you're not putting? A lot of things that people do in their real lives are, are, are tangible to the jobs that they want. Right. But they, they, it's not on your resume. So you don't put it there because of whatever fears you have. But I think, I know, and I believe if anyone wants support, or, and it doesn't have to come from me, if anyone wants to give the support to people in general, young people, old people, people who, who are trying to figure themselves out. But like we, I said earlier, it's about, you know, Sometimes accepting like this is a, that person has that knowledge that doesn't mean that they're better than you, you know that means that they have more a little bit more knowledge than you, and they're willing to share it, and I'm willing to share that knowledge you know of of job skills and, and opening up a program where I can reach out to friends like Indeca, <laughs> like Geronimo, like yo, dude, I need you to come through, yo, Indeca, I need you to, to do right. a financial literacy class with these kids or how to a marketing class with these young people or these adults just so they can know like the basics of. Right. And that's my contribution to the world moving forward. You know, that right. would be my contribution to the, you know, moving forward. I'm going to figure it out how to pay for it or get someone to pay for it for me. But <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. And, I, and, I, and I've been planting these seeds and friends of mine for years, you know, that I want to do this. And I, and I want to, to, to I, want, I want all of us to be successful. I want all of us to be comfortable in, 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 in ourselves and in, in and knowing, like I said earlier, that that your, your your skills are applicable to so many other jobs out there that you don't even know. Yep, absolutely. It's it's funny that you said that. Um, but just to put this out there, you know, it it's not that hard to start a business. It's, oh, it's not, not at complicated. All. It's not at all. It's not you know a, a nonprofit. They, you just need a, I think a minimum of five people on your board to start one, and yes. then you get someone to file your articles and things yes. like that. But the government gives money 
Yes, they do. You know, out to people for these programs that they can't service themselves. You know, if things have gotten crazy with Trump being in office or whatever the case may be. Lots a lot have of been things cut. Have been <laughs> right, things have been cut. But that's where your um, community con- contributions come in. You know, so it's important to know who's in your community because, and this and this goes back to what we were saying earlier. Um, I think in our first podcast, uh, I forgot we were talking about, but how other cultures have been able to come and build businesses in our community and support their community. Back in the day in Harlem, you could not have a business that did not hire a black person to be in Harlem. You know what I mean? And I think if my if I remember what my grandmother said, um, the story how it went was that at one point they made it into a law where if you had or it was always on the book. Either way, they got around that by hiring their family members. Um, so a lot of the Asian stores they they didn't have to hire black people because they hired their family. Um, if you force the community to contribute to your programming. Now, now it's, it's, it's an exchange, you know what I mean? So now the community is invested, meaning the business is invested in the community. And now the people in the community are invested in the businesses, you know what I mean? So now we want the businesses there, you know, it, it's a give and a take it, and it has to be, it has to be this conversation, but it starts with us demanding these things. Like people in Harlem back in the day, they, they went out there and they shut those stores down. You didn't have a black person come. You didn't have a black, they shut you down. They stood outside your door. They, you couldn't get in. You, you couldn't get it. You would, you'd be darned if you walked past, you know, like kind of like a picket line back in the day. We need that type of energy. Um, we, and like I said, we got comfortable. We got complacent, you know, and we, we kind of lost that. Um, what happens next? You know, we get to decide, I guess, you know, for however much time longer we have, we get to decide. You're 100% right. We get to decide. And I think that was the why, you know, Geronimo asked our last question, like, how do we recreate, you know, whether it's in a small silo and then it grows into something larger. Sometimes we gotta start small. You know, you know, I know a lot of times you want things uh instant instantly to, to instantly happen. You know, and the kind of work I was doing prior to that, I would always tell people there's no instant gratification in that work. You won't get thanked until five five to ten years later. Absolutely. But but here's the here's the cool thing, you know, when you see these young people or people in general five to ten years later and they re- remember you, they tell you thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean, yeah. I mean, I wish I had the money, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's not like you know because they say you thank you, you know that you feel comfortable and safe that you know they got your back because you had their back. I have young people and parents like you know what what you said to me that day means makes sense right now. Like you weren't wrong. I just didn't understand what you were saying. And thank you. I've had parents who, who for whatever reason, still have my email, <laughs> sent me emails, you know, thanking me. You know, I had, you know, I had students record their parents having a conversation. Like I said, ten years later, my name pops up. So you know, I, I've had some successes, but I, you know, I want to continue that. I will continue that, and the three of us will continue that. And like you said, maybe not together, but in a separate tribe, it's going to happen. You know, it, it's going to happen. You know, it, like I said, whether like, whether it's together or apart, it's going to happen. Or or if it's not one of us three, whomever hears this podcast, maybe that one to make the change. And it doesn't have to come from us. It can come from anyone. Right. So, I mean, I think we're going to wrap up. You know, we're going to wrap up. Is there any any final words you want to say to the people? 
I'm just appreciative for the platform, you know, that you guys presented, you know, it allows us to discuss these topics and importance and just, you know, share our views and our opinions. And, you know, I'm, I'm just interested in hearing what other people have to say about that. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. So, yeah, so how, how can the people reach out to us, Shivar? Yo, but so here, here's the thing. This is for everyone who's listening. And this is a task of one. Our next and final episode of this particular series, and our final episode in life, but our final episode for this particular series, we want everyone to, to if you're a friend of anyone on this podcast, or, or if you're not and you're just listening, we want you to send us an audio. What does it mean? How do you celebrate Blackness? What does Blackness mean to you in a positive way? You know, we want we want audio because we want to celebrate you. We want to display your audio on our next podcast. We want to see whether it's Jimmy, Johnny, Muhammad, uh, Terrence, Karen, Carol, whomever you are. We want to we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear that audio. We want, we want we want you to be heard. Like Connecticut said, this is a platform to be heard. So please send that audio to either one of us, whether it's on Synergy Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, this uh, Geronimo's uh, Instagram on C-M-N-O underscore C-12. I'm sorry, C, I'm sorry. I guess Bush is that. It's GMO at GMO underscore six twelve. You can hit me up on the Instagram at, at, at just Shabar underscore or on Twitter at, at um, Shabar. And Kenny, which, how, how can they hit you up? I am at Miss Kenny on Instagram. Um, I'm also relaunching Butterfly 30 LLC. So you can find me at Butterfly30 LLC on Instagram as well. 